Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're in a series called I Choose. This is week four of four. And we're talking about big choices we make that help us make the little choices. We make these important, bigger decisions that will help us make uh, smaller decisions. And today's topic is important over urgent. If you missed the first three, you can listen to them on our website or watch them on Facebook. So... If I was to ask you, do you wish you have more time to do blank, what would you put in? And most of us would have something to put in there. Uh, I wish I had more time to play with the kids or grandkids in my case. Uh, I wish I had more time to read. I wish I had more time to fish or hunt. I wish I had more time to uh, go for a walk. I wish I had more time to exercise. I wish I had more time to... Sleep, maybe? <laughs> uh, I wish I had more time. But instead, you've got chores to do, and you've got to you know, take care of the kids. You've got your job. Maybe you're in school. Uh, and so, you can't. So I wish I had more time. And if I ask you the question, how are you doing, the most, important, um, the most common response now is not fine. It used to be fine. But even if they say fine, often it's followed up by the word busy. Or, how are you doing? I'm busy or fine, but I'm busy. And that's the world we live in today. So I came across this statement. I thought it was a good way to start today's uh, discussion, and it's this. If Satan can't make you bad, <laughs> he'll make you busy. If he can't get you to do bad stuff, get to do the wrong stuff, you know, I'm a pretty good person. I don't, you know, I don't hurt anybody. I don't do anything wrong. But if he can get you just to do, be busy doing kind of unproductive stuff, stuff that really doesn't matter, then he's already won because you're not being effective if you're a Jesus follower in uh, spreading the kingdom. Now, here's a statement that I use with my wife. She hates it when I use this statement, <laughs> uh, but it's true. I actually have time for what I choose to have time for. Isn't that true? If you really want to go fishing, you'll find time to go fishing. If you really want to sleep more, you'll figure out a way to sleep more. If you want to really, really want to read more, you'll find a way to read more. Now, the problem is with life is we have the, so many of these we call urgent things. Just, you know, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. And you say, well, what are you talking about, Pastor, between important and urgent? Let me try and explain. Your car breaks down, that's urgent. Got to get fixed. But if you have regular maintenance on your car, the chances of it breaking down are less likely, right? So less likely to be urgent. So if we take care of the important, there's less urgent. Same thing physically. If you abuse your body year after year after year, eventually you're going to wind up in the hospital with some chronic disease or illness. If you have been taking good care of your body all that time, doing that important thing, you're much less likely to have that problem with your body in the hospital. So there's all kinds of examples. So if we focus on the important, there's a lot less urgent. The interesting thing is, if you focus on the urgent, is there less important things? No, no, there's not. So it doesn't work in reverse. So that's what we want to talk to you about this morning, is focusing what's most important so there is less urgent. Um, so we're going to look at a story, uh, the story about Jesus and Luke wrote this down, and Luke liked to research and do a lot of fill in the details, and this is just this fascinating story. It doesn't seem that important story. There's no miracles involved or anything. But every time I read this story, 
uh, it bugs me. We would say it convicts me. Uh, so we'll see how it impacts or affects you as we read it. And again, it's uh, Gospel of Luke. We got four accounts of Jesus' life, and Luke wrote one of them. So as Jesus and his disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus to her home. Now, Back in those days, they didn't have hotels and restaurants and so forth. So when you traveled around, you were dependent on people, people's hospitality. So uh, Jesus gets to this town, and this lady's name was Martha. So she invites Jesus and his disciples in, which is a pretty big deal. There's going to be, you know, 12, 13 of them at least. Well, she didn't live by herself. She had to f- live with some siblings. Uh, and her, one's, her sister's name is Mary, has a pretty famous brother. Who is the brother? Who remembers? Lazarus, all right, sharp, you guys are sharp this morning. So a brother's name's Lazarus. He comes up uh, later, pretty important deal. So, got Jesus and his disciples in the house. Mary's invited in, his sister's there is Mary. And we find out what Mary does. So Jesus comes in. Mary sat down attentively before the master. So Jesus is there and Mary's sitting at her, uh, right in front of him, uh, Giving her him, giving him her full attention, absorbing. This translation says absorbing every every revelation he shared. So she's just enthralled. I don't want to miss a thing. You know, Jesus is saying, I want to hear it. So that's what Mary uh, Mary's doing. But Martha's doing something else. So what's Martha doing? Well, Martha becomes came exasperated. I love that word, exasperated. It just makes you feel exasperated saying it. Uh, she's exasperated. Well, why is she exasperated? Well, she's invited Jesus in, so if you invite somebody into your house, what do you want to do? You want to serve them, right? So she's serving, but she's exasperated by serving. And we'll find out one reason in a minute. Uh, by the numerous household chores and preparation for her guests. So she wants to, uh, you know, Serve Jesus, so and the disciples, so she's running around doing stuff. Then, because of this ex- being exasperated, she goes to Jesus, trying to relieve some of this anxiety, I guess. Now, notice the word here. She interrupts Jesus. I mean, that's what happened. Could you can imagine interrupting Jesus? Uh, Jesus, wait a minute. <laughs> it's kind of like worse than, I guess. Saying, uh, Mr. President, will you just, I, I, I want to interrupt you. I want to <laughs> ask you something or tell you something. So she's interrupting Jesus, and it gets, goes downhill from there. It gets worse. So she interrupts, interrupts and says, Lord, don't you think, can you imagine telling Jesus what he ought to think? <laughs> That's what she's doing. Don't you think, I mean, you, need to, you should think like I think, and this is how I think. Don't you think it's unfair? Don't we always think things are unfair? And uh, we always told our kids, what? Life is not fair. Okay. So it's a silly question, a silly statement, but, you know, that's the way we feel, so that's what we say. So isn't it, it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself. You know, she's able-bodied female, and females do most of the stuff, and I'm doing it all by myself. She's not helping. This is not fair. And we would say, you're right, right, Mary? That Mary should be helping you. And then he t- tell, she tells Jesus what to do. Can you imagine? Uh, Jesus, uh, I know you're Jesus, but, you know, actually they just thought he was a, a rabbi, a famous rabbi. Uh, you should tell her, okay? Jesus, go tell her. Straighten up. Help me. Uh, get up and help me. 
So that's what she says to Jesus. And of course, she thinks Jesus is going to agree with it because she says it's unfair and you're, you're a rabbi, you're, you're about all, all this fairness. And uh, Now, this is a pretty common scenario and, and, and we can't, we're going to find out Martha's kind of on the wrong side of the deal here, but we really can't fault Martha. I mean, we've all had people into our houses and we tidy up. If I came to your house, I'm sure you would, or I think you would tidy up uh, before I came. Uh, probably offer me something to drink. If it was mealtime, you probably offer me something to eat. That's just common courtesy, we would say. And so that's what Martha's doing. But we're going to find out that Jesus is going to use this word, you're distracted. You're distracted. You're distracted doing stuff, maybe good stuff, important stuff, but not as important as something other stuff. And we've all been there. We've all done that. We talked about the difference between entertaining and hosting or being hospitable. Entertaining basically boils down to the fact it's about you. You want people to think you have a nut, keep your house nice, that you're a good cook, that you're nice people. That's what entertaining is. Hospitality, on the other hand, is thinking about the person. What's most honoring to the person? So the person's more important than the stuff or the things. Now, it's interesting here because if I'm up here talking, what's the most respectful thing for you to do? Is to listen, right? It's not to go out and say, oh, now if I started coughing, you might want to go out and give me a drink. I have a drink up here. But generally speaking, if I'm talking, the most respectful thing is to listen. And that's exactly what Mary's doing, right? Nothing wrong with Martha's doing, but it's not the most, or we would say, the most important thing. So Jesus is a loving person, and so he responds to Martha in a loving way. He loves Mary and Martha the same. He says, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled and pulled away or distracted by, or use the word, all these distractions? Why? Are they, and here's the important question, are they really that important? And that's the big question. What's the most important? What is the priority? Now, some of you got little kids and you're a parent. We were there at one point. And uh, kids take up a lot of your time. Assuming if you've got a spouse, if you're married. The best thing you can do for those kids is to make sure you take time for your spouse. It just is. And it's easy to get, you know. So you need to put that date night on your calendar, whatever, every week, every other week. And make sure you do it. That has to be a priority. You have to take time for... For you as a couple, if you're going to be the best parent you can be. Talk about health a lot. Priorities to take care of your body. You only get one of these. And if you're a Jesus follower, we say, you know, God's dwelling in this thing. So you need to take good care of it, right? So that needs to be a priority. To take care of your body. Figure out, you know, what's the best diet to eat and what's the mouth. Most of us just eat too much. <laughs> We'd be... Fine if we didn't need so much. Uh, exercise. Find some kind of exercise. These bodies were made to move, not just sit. And I know I have a job. I sit a lot. So you need to figure that out. Make sure that's a priority. And if you're a Jesus follower, uh, a priority needs to be spending time with Jesus. It just is. In fact, it, it should be a desire you have. 
I desire to spend time with my wife. I'm in a relationship with her. Yeah, I'm hopefully you, spend, you have a desire to spend time with God. And so then he explains to Martha exactly what the, what the situation is here. He says, Mary has discovered the one thing most important. What you're doing may be important, but there's something more important. And she's figured that out. She's discovered it. And by choosing to sit at my feet. So there's two things here. You've got to figure out what's most important. If you don't know that, you can't do it. Once you figure it out, then you have to do it. So, yeah, I've got to take care of my body. I've got to spend time with Jesus. Or I, I, I've got to, you know, work on my finances. Uh, but then you have to do it. And what he's really talking about is intentionality. Prioritizing and intentionally following through on those things. So here's the fill-in today. It's a toughie. What is the most important thing you've been distracted from pursuing? So you've got to figure out what it is. And why you're not doing it or what's distracting you from doing that. So I'll give you kind of three practical things to help you with choosing the most important over the urgent. First one's this. Create artificial deadlines. Create artificial deadlines. And we all do this. You might not use this term. Let me give you a couple examples from my life. Um, when is my teaching that I do on Sunday morning finished? Well, it's really not finished until I get up here and share it, right? But you all have a, a hard copy. And you know when that hard copy is finished? Anybody know? Wednesday at 5 o'clock. That's my artificial deadline to have that. Uh, it gets uh, printed usually Wednesday evening. It gets folded on, and stuffed on Thursday morning. So I have this artificial deadline. If I was to say, oh, I'm, it's not done, it's not finished, and which happens occasionally, then it's not printed and it's not folded, whatever. But I have this artificial deadline. Now, I think what I have to say, share is important. Hopefully you think it's important. You sit here and listen to me talk for a half hour. Uh, so why would I leave that to the last minute? You hear these preachers that, you know, wait to Saturday night. I've never done that. I just couldn't function that way. So I had this artificial deadline. Another way to think about it is this. Most of you who have been around here know that I miss about one Sunday a year, right? <laughs> so, Pastor, you mean you only take one week of vacation a year? No. I take, like many vacations, I take half-week vacations. And so, I'm here on Sunday morning. So, those weeks that I do that, I'm gone half the week, what happens? I squeeze a week's worth of work into what? A half a week. It's one of this artificial deadline, because the other weeks I don't do that, and you've all done this, haven't you? And isn't it amazing you can get, squeeze that stuff in by prioritizing? Another thing I do, I, I don't punch a clock like most people, a lot of people. And so I'll be sitting at my desk and my computer's there. And, and I get most computers have a clock up there in the corner. I don't really look at it most of the time. But I'll be sitting there studying, working, whatever. And if I look up there, I have this artificial deadline. If it's five, whatever. It's 5.01, 5.10, 5.20. If I look up and it's 5 whatever, then I stop working. Uh, do something else. I stop sitting there and studying and working and that stuff there. I have this artificial deadline. Otherwise, I might sit there all the time <laughs> and there are other things that need to, need to be done. So it's a question of prioritizing. So you create for yourself artificial deadlines. You'll get more done and you'll get more of the important things done. Secondly, be ruthlessly selective in your yeses. And we talked about popularity in week one. 
If you want to be popular, you, you don't like to say no to people because you think that they're not going to like you if you say no to them. So you say yes to everybody and to everything. Well, you can't do everything. That's reality. None of us can do everything. So you need to be selective, meaning do what is most important to you. Now, I've got a couple other statements to kind of support this. First, busyness does not necessarily equal productivity. We've all had those days, right? You've been busy, busy, busy all day, and at the end of the day, you say, I wonder, I didn't get anything done today, right? You've been busy, but not very productive necessarily. Now, uh, my wife and I, when we eat together in the evening, we, we pray together before we eat. And I was praying two days ago. I do this often. Um, I said, God, thank you for a productive day. You know, it's 6 o'clock in the evening or whatever. I, and I, hopefully for my wife too because I hadn't asked her. So once we finished praying, I asked her if she had a productive day. Uh, so, so, you know, we think productivity. Now, we're not workaholics necessarily, but we're talking about being productive. And so some of you, we all have to-do lists, right? Some of you need some not-to-do lists. Uh, things not to do. Another way of saying it is this. Say no to good, the good so you can say yes to the best. Oh, there's thousands of good things. Can't do thousands of things. So if you're going to choose, might as well choose the best over good. Now some of this has to do with good for you or good for you. How should I play this? Aligns with your skill set and your passions. Uh, we're starting up this, this youth ministry. I'm not going to be involved in it. Not refuge. Right, that's not where my giftedness is. Uh, I haven't actually been invited anyway. <laughs> I don't think. But anyway, uh, uh, you know, if they invite me to come sometimes, I might come. But I'm not going to be involved in that. That's good. But for me, that's not the best thing for me to be doing. For Pastor Clint, it is. And so that's why he's going to be doing it. For some of you, you're going to be involved in it. So you have to say no to some things so you can say yes to other things. And the third thing is this. You can't do more. I mean, we all have the same amount of time. You, so do more of what matters most. And so when you see people and you think, man, they just seem to get so much done. You seem to do it all. Are they really doing it all? No, they're not doing it all. They got the same amount of time you do. They're just doing things that matter most so you notice those things. So people that are great parents, you notice, oh, they just seem to be great parents. They just seem to be doing the, the right things all the time. Well, they're doing what matters most. A uh, great teacher. You ever had a great teacher? A great teacher isn't necessarily doing more. They're just doing what matters most. And if you're a Jesus follower, you ever, we all probably know some people we've seen. And they just seem to be these great Jesus followers. They just seem to get so much done. They seem to be doing the right thing. They're not doing any more. They're just doing what matters most, which leads into the third and final point, which is this. Do first... What matters most? Now, I can't say you're all like me, but this is probably human nature. We all get these to-do lists. Say there's 10 things on your to-do list. And you look at the list, what do you do? Well, if you're like me, what I do is I don't like 10 things on my list. That's just too many. So I look and say, well, that thing's only going to take me five minutes. I do that one first. Then I only got nine things. I feel like I'm being productive. And I kind of am. My list is shorter. And this one only takes me 10 minutes. And I'll do that one. This one takes me a half hour. So in an hour, I've got three things off my list. I still have seven. But have I done the most important things? No. <laughs> I haven't. I've done the easier things or the faster things. 
So a big deal in time management and making best use of your time is do first what matters first, even if it takes you all day long. You still have nine things on your list. If you're like me, the list is endless anyway, right? <laughs> so do what matters first, what matters first. And if you're Jesus follower, what matters most? Time with Jesus. What matters most with my wife is time with my wife. So what matters most with, as a Jesus follower, and if you're not, these principles will work for you. That's, that's, we're glad that you're here or you're watching or listening. Uh, but that's what matters most. And if you're like me, sometimes that's what doesn't get done. And why doesn't it get done? Because you're tired. And why are you tired? Because you're busy. Uh, I stayed up doing something after midnight, so I can't get up this morning and spend time with Jesus. I'll just get up in time to run off to work. What matters most? Jesus follows time with Jesus. Came across this statement. I thought it was pretty good. Our busy schedules aren't keeping us from prayer. Our hearts are. Remember in week one, those of you who are here, our hearts are deceitful. The hearts lie to us. Our emotions lie to us. <laughs> so, uh, you know, midnight, uh, uh, this is more important than getting up to spend time with Jesus. Well, your, your heart's lying to you. So it's not your busy schedules. It's our deceitful hearts. And so we have to fight that. Now, one way I do this and, and is, is I like to use my senses to kind of dial in here. So I'll say, God, use my eyes today to see like what, and what you see. Also keep my eyes from seeing what uh, I shouldn't be seeing, impure things. My ears, God, let me hear what you want me to hear. Let me hear from you and let me hear what other people are saying. Let me be a good listener. We often talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus. Let my hands and feet be doing and going where you want me to go to. So we're, we're talking about being proactive. Much of our life, if we're living by the urgent, is reactive. Uh, this, this, this crisis here and this crisis here and this crisis here. Now, if we're proactive, if we're making choices, we're making, prioritizing our lives, then there's a lot less urgent. Bottom line is this. I know it's kind of tough to hear, but here it is. <clears throat> You can make excuses or you can make progress. Make excuses about your finances. I haven't seen the latest statistic, but the average American lives paycheck to paycheck and has like $10,000 worth of unsecured debt. That's the average American. All right. Well, you can live that way. Uh, I wouldn't recommend living that way. I don't think God wants you to live that way. We teach financial peace and it'll teach you principles so you don't have to live that way. But you can say, well, I can't, whatever, that's my, my, no. You can make excuses or you can make progress. With your finances, your relationships, your health, uh, whatever it might be. So as we're talking about most important thing, what we want to finish up today is talking about community life. And the way we say it is this, and Pastor Clint said it, circles are better than rows. What we mean that by that is, for you, sometime during the week, to sit face-to-face with some other people. Uh, they don't have to be all believers, but sit face-to-face with other people and share life together. Be in relationship. It's a relational thing. See, this is not relational. I love this, and hopefully you enjoy this, and so forth. This is not relational. And living in community is so important. We're going to tell you a couple reasons here 
uh, next couple slides. First, we drift. We all drift. We don't drift in, oh, I'm drifting into spending more time with Jesus. I'm drifting into exercising more. I'm drifting into, you know, budgeting my money. We don't drift into the things that are good for us, do we? We drift the other way. We drift from it. So if that's our, all of us, that's all our natures, how do I fight that? How do I overcome that? Well, we believe this is the best way. We is the best <clears throat> defense against the deceitfulness in you. The drift, the deceitfulness of your heart. The best way for me to not drift is to be in community. With people saying, hey, how's your quiet time going? Are you spending time with Jesus? Uh, Okay, what can I do to help you? Do you want me to call you at 5 o'clock in the morning and wake you up? What do you want me to do? All right, live in community. Best defense against the deceitfulness in you. If you're on a diet, and I ask you, how are you doing? I got somebody in in one of our groups, a couple of us on a diet, and I ask them week after week, how are you doing? Well, we're doing good. We're staying on it. And you're not doing so good. What's the matter? What can I do? What can I help? And vice versa. I need help. I need we. Another thing, the way to put it is this. The drift begins within. This kind of, keep, keep, you can remember it. So let someone in. Share your life with them. If you're truly serious about not drifting. Now, I just want to say something to you married folks. This needs somebody besides your spouse. It's not really fair to your spouse to put this whole load on them. So let someone other than your spouse in. And just a general statement about group life is this. Group life is, is preventative. preventative. You heard preventative medicine. If I take care of myself, I won't get sick. Community life is preventative from drifting. Drifting your spiritual life, drifting your physical life, drifting your relational life especially. So you're going to be reactive. Oh, I've got a marriage crisis now. I need to get in a group. I got a financial crisis now. I got to get in a group. No, be proactive. Get in the group. <laughs> and the crisis most likely will be avoided. So, again, here's the question What is the most important thing that you're neglecting? Is it relational? Is it financial? Is it health wise? Is it time with Jesus? Whatever it is, ask God to help. That's the place to start. And I can't speak for God, but knowing what God, nature of God, I would say, he would say to you, get in a community group. That's the first step. This is not rocket science, okay? <laughs> Live in community. You help other people, other people help you. That is true church. This is not true church, not New Testament church. Community is. Now, if you're in one of those situations, financial relation, whatever, you may think it's hopeless. If you're a parent with three small kids, we, one lady came in with three small kids, I think, wow, I don't know how you do that. I, can't, I remember that. It's like impossible, right? How do you take care of yourself, take care of your, your, your marriage, and take care of your house and your finances? There's kids, I don't know. But it seems like hopeless. Let me just say, suggest you start here. Say, Jesus, I can't do this. We talked about this last week, right? I can't do this. But thank God you're the answer. There is help. And you and I can do this with Jesus' help. Father God, thank you. I thank you for uh, your wisdom. I thank you for this story, this 2,000 years old story about Mary and Martha and, and how convicting it is or how uncomfortable it makes me because uh, 
I tend sometimes to put stuff before, before people, and, and God just show me how to improve that, how to do better. I pray for the folks here. Uh, God just help each one of them figure this out. Uh, first, figure out what's most important, and then actually, like Mary, choose to do it. And this is an ongoing thing, God, and we're, even if we, we start good, we've all had diets and exercise programs that we've given up on, uh, that where, where community is so important. So God, I just pray for each person here to seriously, seriously consider being in some kind of community group, not only for their benefit, but for the benefit of other folks that they'll be sharing with. Uh, as always, when I pray for anyone that's not a Jesus follower, today would be the day they'd step across that line. Uh, it's really going from hopeless to hope, going from defeated to victory, going from being alone to being part of a, a community of faith and, a, and, a, and the family of God. Uh, thank you, Jesus. You make that so simple, so easy. It's free. It was costly to you, but it's free to us. It's a gift to accept. Can't thank you enough, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.